Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that's just stupid, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? That's pretty rude, but uh, I'm doing all right. Sorry, man. Mood swing. It happens. Yeah, well. I'd ask you how you're doing this week, but we have a very special guest today. We've got Troy from the Gaily Dreadful website, and he does Are You Afraid of the Dark as well. How you doing, Troy? Hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, guys. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Schedule Bobcat for next week. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I, I guess I'll leave. He just shows Troy. up. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for being on. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you coming on board. So how are you doing this week, Troy? Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Hanging in there, staying healthy? Yeah, I'm super quarantined. Like hardcore quarantine still, because uh, I live with a uh, with old people. <laughs> but um, I appreciate that. Then, as somebody that used to yeah. work with old people, I really appreciate oh. that. Yeah, well, I live with my parents and grandmother, so they're in their sixties and nineties. Oh, so. okay. Guess which ones in their nineties? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so you think like, you know, I'm never gonna go outside. I'm just gonna be like healthy constantly. Yeah. But then, like, I do the I do lawn work <laughs> around my house, and come in like all congested and sick. <laughs> so there's there's literally no escaping disease. So. Oh. <laughs> I sound like Howard Hughes. <laughs> if I could stay inside all day, I'd be a very happy camper. But yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> oh, so you do some Are You Afraid of the Dark reviewing yourself. Uh, yeah, I've been known to. Yeah, yeah. When did you guys start doing that? Because you do it with uh, with uh, Aaron, right? Yes. Yeah, my bestie. Um, we're kind of like the literary versions of you guys. I love it. Because we're like best friends from high school who, um, you know, talk about all your afraid of the dark. It's like a parallel universe. It's like universe. the bizarro Brandon and Cortland. Oh, yeah. I'm the weird one. <laughs> it's like some Bill and Ted shit. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I got the idea to do it early last year it was i think when they like paramount announced an are you afraid of the dark movie i was like oh yeah i love are you afraid of the dark and i'd like to revisit it but then of course the movie fell apart yep and we were looking for a place to post it and then i i i thought (laughs) if you read articles you know i I like to keep everything like that we do little trivia then like is it queer or not Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was a just a funny one-off like episode idea i had and aaron is like no every episode we've got to talk about how gay it is <laughs> so <laughs> i was like cool so then i thought um terry's site gaily dreadful would be a good fit for it because he was looking to expand the site oh, okay. at, at that time he was writing like 99 percent of everything on there and so i just thought i knew on twitter he was kind of looking to expand it a little because i reached out to him and he was getting gearing up for last year's Gaily Dreadful uh, fundraiser, mm-hmm. which raised oh, what, uh, two grand for the Trevor Project. Awesome. Which is, um, yeah, at That's risk um, LGBT uh, help resource. So he was like, I'm bogged. <laughs> I Come back imagine. to me after June. So, yeah, so we started in, I guess, July of last year. Okay, cool. So you guys it have been was... doing it for a year now, huh? Yeah, and because of this, I've been helping him with the site, doing editorial stuff, and I helped him um, do this year's Pride, which just ended a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we raised like yeah. four and a half grand, something like that. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was really uh, exciting. 
That's cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it was like two months of like really solid work. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go back to drawing fan art for Are You Afraid of the Dark. <laughs> well, your fan art for Are You Afraid of the Dark is awesome. So you do a great oh, job. Oh, thank you. I've um, It's gotten a lot better. I've decided to like kick it into high gear, um, starting with like some of the more popular ones coming up. Okay. So, oh, like yeah, Ghastly got... Grinner coming up is going to be, yeah. yeah. Everyone loves the Grinner. As of recording, you guys are at um, Long Ago Locket, so Grinner's. Yeah, coming I phoned that one in. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> they to did see too. What you guys yeah, come up right. with for C seven? Amina. I'm gonna phone oh, those God. ones in. Yeah. I hope it's just the um, fat, the fat Eddie kid like eating spaghetti or something. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I was excited to do um, Dead Man's Float, so I've got that one oh, ready. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. And I've got, uh, yeah, I got little Jay Baruchel getting terrorized. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I think that's, so I'm a big fan of your podcast. Um, oh, thank you. And one of the things I Thanks. love, <laughs> I love when Cortland goes into an IMDb for somebody who did, like, nothing else. This episode's got missed, a couple of those. <laughs> right. But then missed like Jay Baruchel and Dead Man's Float. Who is that? Do you know Jay Baruchel? I don't think so. I'm gonna look him up right now. He's the little stuff victim at the beginning of Dead Man's Float. His first appearance. Oh, he's the voice of uh, Hiccup in How to Train Your oh, yeah, Dragon. Yeah. Well, whoops. <laughs> 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 An actual star. <laughs> yeah, I know. And nope, we just talk about Frank Scorpion. Yeah, love <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, did you did you recognize Anne Roy from having no other credits? <laughs> <laughs> like, if they're not in the littlest hobo, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, this one, this one might come up here. I love Cortland when you get so angry that they don't say the characters' names. <laughs> oh man, that was the it's worst. The worst. In the Manaha. Right. Oh man, oh. it will come then, up too. There's like yeah. six kids. <laughs> well, guys. We got a lot to talk about, so you guys want to uh, get into this, talking about this episode? Let's um, do it! All right. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can do it. Okay. Well, we <laughs> just collectively got done watching The Tale of a Door Unlocked. Now, Troy, you specifically requested this episode. So what, Yes, I did. Really? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about this one? <laughs> yeah. I, uh... <laughs> yeah, you asked me what, what episode I wanted to do. Yeah. And I am... It was also when I was finishing Pride stuff, so I was like, nothing for the next couple of weeks. I hear you there, yeah. So, and then I was like, oh, when is the Sardo episode? I didn't <laughs> I didn't remember it, but, but I wanted to do, like, something, one of the kind of special ones, you know? Yeah. So I was just like, and I looked at the, saw the Sardo one, it was, like, really late in the season. So I was like, oh, that's great. So then um, I watched it then, like, immediately to be like, oh, did I make a huge mistake? And I loved it. This I like this one a lot. Yeah. I take it from your tones that you guys. <laughs> uh, what do you think of it, Brandon? I don't hate this episode. Matter of fact, it's the same as like the last five episodes. Like, it's pretty good. I agree. <sighs> yeah. And there's one scene in particular that I absolutely love. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I... <laughs> I think it's funny. You know, I like when Are You Afraid of the Dark is creepy. And I like it when it's funny. And sometimes the episodes that don't work are the ones that, like, try to do both. Yeah. So they never really succeed in either. 
Well, this one is directed by Ron Oliver, and he just he did like Full Moon and Ghastly Grinner, so he's got like this style that is kind of funny. And I will say, I liked the episode, but man, some of the acting in this episode is atrocious. oh, the acting in this episode is is maybe the worst we've seen since Room for Rent. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, you know what? I love bad acting. <laughs> <laughs> I love cheesy, like, 80s bad horror movies, so I I can get into, like, the vibe of, like, I enjoy this for what it is. Yeah. I will say, though, that one of the characters here, the little brother to the main character, I don't know how he does it, but I think he speaks in run-on sentences. (laughs) I think That's not possible, but I think he does it, right? (laughs) Sure. How many lines does he have? Just one and it just keeps going? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) He does the, like, uh, excuse me from the 90s. Uh, All right. You guys want to get into this episode? Yeah. Let's. Yes. All right. Let's jump on in here. (laughs) So our episode starts up with Gary and we see his upside down face in a crystal ball. And he says, gaze into the crystal ball of a fortune teller. And he lowers the ball saying, they say it offers a glimpse into the future. And we cut over to Sam and Tucker sitting next to each other. And Gary walks over to Kiki with the ball saying, I see that Kiki has an incredible voice and she'll someday be a famous singer. Is that established? Actually, no, none of them are. <laughs> well, the fun fact is that the character, or the girl that plays Kiki, Jody Restner, is actually a singer. So Okay, so that's a skill she has that we just never get to see. DJ must have known that about her or something. Well, I think she started singing in like the mid 2000s, though. Based on this episode, it just gave her the confidence to <laughs> let it out. She was like, what if Ross Hall was onto something? Yeah. <laughs> he was just improvising. In 2000, she released the album Real. And in 2006, it was Ma Dua Light. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Sorry, Jody. I'm going to assume you aren't, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a good well, assumption. She is listening to this. Uh, I hope so. She I hope so. Cool. Anyway, so Kiki thinks that shit is cool, and Gary slides next to Betty Ann, who's smiling, and he says, Betty Ann's compassion and intelligence will lead her to a successful career in medicine. And she's all, really? And Gary nods. Also never established. <laughs> no. No. She seems happy with that, though, yeah. so I guess that's that's her go- goal? I could see that. I could, yeah, I can see her. I can also see her as like an undertaker. <laughs> I could see her as a mortician too. I was thinking like school librarian or something. <laughs> oh, the creepy librarian? That would be all right. But like a goth one. <laughs> the one that's like creepy, but then turns out to be nice, like something from Home Alone. Yeah. Gary walks up to Stig and says, Stig will be a professional wrestler. And Stig looks at Gary for a few seconds and then says, Yes! Gary just kind of looks at him and then gets up and walks away and over to Sam. Yeah, sounds about right. Moving on. Yep. <laughs> he waves his hand around the ball saying, Sam's love for adventure will make her a famous explorer. Maybe searching the ocean depths where no one's gone before. And Sam smiles, looks up and says, I like this game. <laughs> Finally, Gary shifts over to Tucker and says, and Tucker, hmm, he'll clean elephant cages at the zoo. And Tucker, who was smiling before, looks at him Ooh, saying, got him. hey. And oddly enough, that's what Daniel DeSanto is doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I looked that up, too. 
Yeah. He has a successful career in the circus. That's what it says on IMDb. <laughs> 2020, shoveling shit. And then Tucker asks, so what does that thing say for you, smart guy? And Gary stands up laughing and says, I see in my future a story. A story about looking into the future. Imagine if a crystal ball really worked. Wouldn't it be cool to see what was going to happen to you tomorrow? Or next week? Or five years from now? And Kiki and Betty Ann look at each other excited. And Gary takes his seat at the throne. And he continues his pre-story description saying, The only trouble is, what if the future you saw wasn't a good one? What if it was filled with fear and danger? Would seeing a horrible future mean you could change it? Or would it mean you had to live with the knowledge that you were doomed and all you could do was wait for it to happen? Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Tale of a Door Unlocked. Um, I think that his pre-story description is actually a lot more exciting than what happens in the episode. That's exactly what I was going to say. He really oversells this story. (laughs) I was like, man, think of all of the cool future shit they're going to see in this episode. And then try to change it. But no, it's one very specific yeah, just thing a, that they see. girl's death. <laughs> yeah, oh, that? hum. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting that. So Raven and shenanigans. And, but nope. Our tale opens up to a sign saying, Danger, keep out. And the camera pans over to this old abandoned building made of stone. And man, it kind of looks like a castle. <laughs> it's like some sort of like like medieval keep or something um, i don't yeah, it yeah does. a little out of place well considering the main character like has american money where could this have been made this, <laughs> this looks like it's in, like scotland or something <laughs> i mean they filmed them all in quebec that's true yeah so i feel like the episodes that are american must be like upstate new york yeah you know they're like borderline it looks like where a group of tween boys would go yeah like hang out we hear some people talking about how natalie miller would have said yes or something and we zip over to two teenage boys talking about some crap in the library the the friends talking about two girls in the library and justin says i don't know them (laughs) which is what (laughs) yeah i went back i was like really (laughs) i was like is he like the worst improv scene partner (laughs) I hey, hope Justin, that's what do you it think is. about Natalie and Michelle? I don't know those two people. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. I hope it was improv. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> well, anyway, from that abandoned building come crawling out four young boys. They're probably like, I don't know, 10, maybe. And one of the teenage boys yells out, hey, Michael, get out of there. You're not supposed to go in there. And Michael steps up saying, what are you, mom spy? And his friends giggle a little and they all run away. And Michael's brother, whose name is Justin, looks at his friend saying, want to buy a little brother? But his friend, whose name is Ben, says, nope, I already got a lizard. Hey, what's he doing in there? Justin says, oh, it's a dumb club he's got with his friends. Whenever they get a new member, they bring him in there to scare him, like initiation. And Ben walks away saying, cute, maybe Beth Elliott, she'd go. What do you guys think of these characters (laughs) justin and what ben yeah well i put down because i didn't know his name at first i put down the fawns for (laughs) ben yes and that that seems to pretty much sum up his character i was i was thinking he was more like a sean from boy meets world he wishes (laughs) right 
Justin is, uh, he's okay. He's not, like, the best actor, but that's okay. He's the best actor of this episode, which isn't saying much, but he's just kind of bland. I I love the characters because they've got, like, the slight New York accent. So I've decided that they're only friends because their dads are in the mafia together. Oh. Yeah, I've given a backstory. <laughs> I, was, I was into this. Yeah elaborate backstories yeah because they don't seem like friends they're just like roasting each other the whole time that's true they do not at all seem friendly to one another but they also aren't like enemies i'm just like why are you two boys hanging out because your dads are friends (laughs) it all makes sense and um so do you guys maybe i'm dating myself but you know rodney dangerfield I was just thinking about him the other day. Was it while you were watching this episode? Uh, Well, another podcast recently uh, covered that one movie where Rodney Dangerfield was a fat dog. (laughs) Rover. Yeah, Rover Dangerfield. So uh, I was thinking about him. But why do you bring up Rodney Dangerfield? Because that's who Justin is. Oh, he's just sitting there like, no respect. <laughs> this whole episode, he's like, oh boy, I tell you, I just want to ask out a dame, but I got no noise. Oh boy. <laughs> His whole vibe and everything is like 70-year-old man in a like a blazer with like rolled up sleeves in front of a brick wall doing stand-up. <laughs> I think I can see it. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason I love, like I got into the comedy of this. It is pretty good. It is. So Justin, he sits back and he's staring at that abandoned house and Ben's all, yo, Justin. And he walks back over and Justin, he looks at him saying, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, um, you believe that stuff about the Albers house? And Ben's all, what? Old Mr. Albert haunts the place? Give me a break. So who are you going to ask to the dance? And Justin shrugs saying, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. And Ben says, yeah, right. You'll never ask anyone. You choke every time you look at a girl. And the kids start arguing back and forth, and then the scene fades. Why do you keep busting my balls? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we're at a street, and Ben accidentally bumps into some guy, and he drops his book on the ground. And while picking them up, Ben looks up and sees a lone teenage girl walking down the sidewalk. And this excites him so much that he <laughs> just says, excellent. And then he tells Justin to get lost. And Justin asks why, and Ben just shoves him away, saying, because I don't want an audience, now go. And he puts on his sweet sunglasses, and we go inside a store with Justin. What a predator. (sighs) Well, to be fair, we don't see, like, how he interacts with her. He could be telling his buddy, like, yeah, watch me score. And he's like, excuse me, miss, I think your hair looks very nice today. You're right. It's also just, I don't know, it kind of creeps me out, like, watching this as a 30-year-old man, because it's like, <laughs> they're all so young. <laughs> like, I I don't know. Like, an 11-year-old kid is just like, oh, yeah, there's a babe. I'm just like, what? You don't even know who you are. Are they supposed to be, like, freshmen? <sighs> it's hard to say. Because when they're in school, Justin's younger brother runs up to him, so I don't know. Maybe middle school? My school was, like... We had elementary was one place, so that middle school, high school was a building that was, like, connected. So I kind of saw, like, the younger brothers in middle school, and he's, like, a freshman. But I don't know. It doesn't really matter, I guess. (laughs) 
So Justin's in the shop now, and he fixes his hair, and he looks out the window to see Ben putting the moves on that poor girl, and he says, man, <laughs> I'd give anything for the guts to do that. And then, out of nowhere, a familiar face emerges from the back room, and it's goddamn oh, yeah. Sardo. Were you waiting for a Sardo episode? Yeah, how do you feel about I kind of, I kind of didn't think we'd get another one. <laughs> like, I know, I know we stopped getting Vink because Frank left. But I just th- I thought they were a package deal. Oh, no. Sardo is Are You Afraid of the Dark? I've not seen season six and seven, but I think he is in season six and seven as well. You got it. Okay. Well, that's blasphemy. It'll make sense. Okay. Well, if it makes sense, it'll make sense. I'll only hate it a little bit. <laughs> okay. But I'm more of a stickler for the Are You Afraid of the Dark rules than any of the Midnight Society are. <laughs> because there are no rules. Yeah. Remember that one time David had Sardo for an episode? That- oh, oh, God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> and it's the one bad Sardo episode. <laughs> so Sardo pops out of that room and he says, What was that? I didn't quite hear. You'd give anything for what? And Justin says, Nothing. And he turns to leave, but Sardo is suddenly behind him, which was amazing. And he <laughs> says, Wait! Don't be shy. Surely there must be something I can interest you in. Have you seen our vomit? Justin asks, who are you? And Sardo walks by him and gets close to the camera saying, Sardo. No, mister. Accent on the dough. And he looks back over at Justin saying, and you are? And Justin says, Justin. No rules, just plain Justin. And Sardo shrugs (laughs) a little saying, so, what are you looking for? Just plain Justin? And Justin's all, nothing that you can help me with. And Sardo laughs a little saying, try me. So Justin tells him, look, I got this thing with girls. And Sardo interrupts saying, don't we all? And Justin <laughs> you saying, no. Sardo's girl problems is his mom keeps making him help her programmer VCR. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, Sardo's girl problems, he borrowed his best friend's jacket for drag night and it got stained. and <laughs> doesn't know how to tell her. <laughs> Sardo's girl problems is he bounced the check he wrote his sister. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I just assumed he meant like he was having problems with one of his customers. He had a Karen oh, yeah. walk in. Girls just keep coming <laughs> and saying they want to be popular. They're all lame, just like Alice and Denny. Ugh. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if he just started roasting? <laughs> oh, <the> other... <laughs> uh, yeah. You go to like that Elm Street place. Or this chick's got no friends. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so at this point, I couldn't really understand what Justin was saying because he just, like, talks really fast. He says, like, a, yeah, I have no idea. I don't got the nerve to ask him out. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Justin continues saying, no, I, I don't got the nerve to ask him out. I'm scared they're going to say no, and I'll look like a total geek. And Sardo snaps his finger saying, I have exactly what you need. Justin's like, you're kidding. And Sardo stops. He looks at him and he says, I never kid. Okay, we got a whole slew of characters to me, so you guys want to know who these people are oh i'd love yeah. to okay first up we have justin he is played by michael macaron or macaroon i don't know i think it's macaroni <laughs> we'll go with macaroni <laughs> and he was a producer for one of my favorite shows parks and recreations oh really yeah all right i cool. love that it was amazing i didn't expect that i love parks and rec Michael also played Walter Clarmingbing in one of in the episode campaign ad for Parks and Rec, but I didn't I didn't recognize him by name. He he didn't do too many more acting jobs, but he produced a couple other shows like Splitting Up Together, Sorry for Your Loss, and Space Force. Oh, that's recent. I don't know what's yeah, I don't know what Space Force is. That's the Steve Carell 
Netflix show that just came out. Isn't oh, it? is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's getting shit done. Yeah, so good job, Michael Macaroni. You're awesome. Next up, his friend Ben is played by Sean Potter. So I was right. He is a Sean. Yeah, he's a Sean. <laughs> Total Sean. <laughs> he was only in a few things in the 90s, like the Goosebumps episode, Phantom of the Auditorium, and some show called My Hometown. We'll, we're going to see him later in season six and seven, though. So whoop, whoop. All right. I wonder if he'll still be Fonzie. <laughs> I hope so. Justin's little brother, Michael, is played by Anthony Bedard, who wasn't in much else, but he's going to be back in the show okay, later, good. too. And, of course, we have Sardo, played by Richard Dumont. Uh, if you don't know Richard, he's he has a lot of voices in video games and cartoons and anime. He's all over the place. And, of course, it's Sardo, so he's in every single season. Love him. So, now that we... I mean, Brandon, spoilers, I guess. We're done with Vink. He's not in any new episodes. Yeah, oh, I, I'm glad. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta ask though, who do you prefer, Sardo or Vink? Me? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's Sardo. I agree with Sardo. How about you, Troy? Definitely. Oh yeah, love him. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we're all in agreement. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to Sardo. Yeah, screw Vink. Sardo is better. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so back to the episode. Sardo walks over to a little cabinet, saying, "I have just the thing to help solve your problem," and he opens it up, saying. What does he say first? Is it em- Emerald? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I only heard one of the things he said. Well, he said super specs. I mean, that one you can... Yeah, that's the only thing I heard. And you see, like, the Shandu's posters in the background. Yeah. I was going to ask Brandon if you've seen the Shandu stuff. No, I missed that, too. Well, he's got Shandu magic kits near him. Love Shandu. <laughs> I know. Justin tells him thanks anyway, and he turns to leave. But Sardo whips around, saying, voila! And he's got this little door in his hands. <laughs> It's so cute. It's adorable. It's a nice little prop. It's pretty cool. Justin looks at it super excited saying, what is it? And Sardo looks down at it and says, it's a doorway. It's a doorway into the future. It's one of a kind. I got it from a fortune teller who fell on hard times. And Justin excitedly walks over to him asking him what it does. And Sardo's all, uh, you, you just tell it what you want to see. Imagine knowing beforehand whether or not the young lady you ask out will say yes or no. And then the phone rings, and Sardo tells Justin not to move. Imagine having the power to see into the future, and you use it to see if a girl will go out with you. That's teenage props, you know? Yeah, don't you remember being 14? Yeah, I would already be thinking of ways to control the world. <laughs> I guess, though, the the thing is, he has a specific problem, and then he gets this answer. So he's his mindset is on that problem. That's true. You know, if he just like yeah. woke up in the morning, like eating a cereal, and Sardo was there in a bathrobe or something, and was like, "Hey, check out this door to the future," <laughs> he would be like, first, how did you get into it my doesn't house?" Doesn't sound too out of character for Sardo. <laughs> right. He's got a green face mask on. It's just like so. I gotta say, he always sounds like he's just making the shit up on the spot for what these things do. Yeah. But it always does what he says. Is he making this up? And it just happens to be right? Does he buy these things from the the sellers but not really believe that it works and then it just does? I think that might be what it is. Or like the... The fortune teller he got it from has, like, a vague explanation of what it does, and he just kind of, like, remembers it as he's saying it. Um, But it feels more like he's making it up, and it just happens to to work out. Like, with super specs, the super specs weren't special. It was the... The monkey bone dust. dust. Yeah. (laughs) The 
Freshly ground monkey bone dust, yes. <laughs> Just ground this morning. Is so, so Gary I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Gary's dad runs a magic it's Sardo. shop. It's Sardo, right? <laughs> yeah. Like Gary and Tucker have a gay dad. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that whips them and makes them paint stuff and Yeah. Because that's where they get the monkey bone bone dust and uh all his props and everything. Yeah. Okay. Sardo is their dad. All right. Sardo walks over and he answers the phone saying, it's your nickel. With Justin, he says, a doorway to the future. Yeah, right. And then says to it, show me a girl who will go to the dance with me. And he tries to open up the door, but it's locked. And he says, rip, it doesn't even open. He goes to walk away, but the little door starts to shake a whole bunch. And so Justin walks back over to it and he slides a little tiny window on the door and he looks inside it. And inside he sees a girl, and then she's covered in smoke. Um, I liked it. Yeah, it's this dream girl. The whole uh, thing was, did you did you think that was a reference to dream girl? I thought it was dream girl-esque. Yeah, she's I wearing the too. same, like, blue yeah. jacket. Yeah, she's got, like, a blue, like, high school uh, varsity jacket on or whatever. Yeah. I thought she looked kind of like Donna, honestly. I mean, a, yeah. a right. couple years younger, but. Yeah. She had a Donna vibe. So I remembered that it was a fire, because I, I vaguely remember this episode. Yeah. But with the first time you're watching this and you don't know it's a fire, do you think it's just, are you afraid of the dark, loves fog machines? <laughs> so it's just like doing a fog machine wipe, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, here's this girl and poof, she's gone. Like right. That. Not yeah. the impending doom of being hit with a burning, <laughs> a burning log. <laughs> I don't know. I remember this episode f- fairly well from when I watched it as a kid. I mean, I didn't remember all the like the silly comedy and bad acting or whatever, but that's not the kind of thing that I really paid attention to as a kid. So, I don't know, Brandon, what did you think it was going to it was going to be? Well, I didn't see the fire coming. All right, there we okay. go. Okay. All right. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your tiny door salesman. Thank you so much for listening in with us, whether you're new this week or a longtime fan. We've hit some big milestones this week, including hitting over 750 followers on Instagram and over 650 followers on Twitter. Come say hi and have a laugh at all of our custom-made gifts, memes, videos, and more. Every Wednesday night on Instagram, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, we watch full-length episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So stop by and have a goof with all the fans. Our content really enhances the Up All Night experience, and you'll be the first to find out about our giveaways. You can find us on Instagram at Private Island Presents and on Twitter at PRVT Island. Give us a follow and have a laugh today. If you're looking to support the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash private island. We work hard to bring our patrons as much content as we can. We upload exclusive content multiple times a week, including early release episodes of the podcast, bonus quick frights where we review our favorite scary movies and video games, exclusive Are You Afraid of the Dark book readings, improv episodes, and access to our bloopers and outtakes for each episode. With tiers starting as low as a dollar a month, there's something available for everyone. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Heather, and Angela, the Silver Goth, Shane, and Steven, and the Platinum Bostics, Bryce, Kathy, and Carly. 
Thank you so much, everyone. Our show wouldn't be the same without your support. We'll be starting up an exclusive Patreon-only giveaway once we reach our 10th patron. So become a patron today. We are recording our Season 5 wrap-up episode this week. If you want your questions answered, and of course a shout-out in the show, get your questions in. Send them our way through email, privateislandpresents at gmail.com, or through any of our social media accounts. Help us make our Season 5 wrap-up episode awesome, and send us your questions. For a quick link to all of our social media accounts, the Patreon, Facebook group, and more, check out the Linktree link in the episode description. I've also put a link to Troy's Are You Afraid of the Dark reviews for the Gaily Dreadful website. I'd like to take a moment to thank the benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. Thanks again, everybody, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye! Justin smiles and he says, I'll take it. And over with Sardo, he's all, you will? You will. And he drops the phone to the ground. <laughs> and he walks Screw over excited. that customer he was just talking to. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they called because they wanted like an order of like 10,000 super specs. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's dropping the phone for, spoilers, $10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he walks over excitedly saying, of course you will. Why wouldn't you? After all, it's one of a kind. And it's a steal at uh, sixty four ninety five. Justin's like, what? Sarah says, oh, but wait. That is a steal. Yeah. He's seen in the fucking future. <laughs> like, even if that's not the future, you open a little door and there's a video of a girl playing. <laughs> like, magically, yeah. that's still cool. I would pay $67 for it. Yeah. <laughs> Sold. No more, yeah. no less. <laughs> well, you guys are in luck because today's sale day and it's only forty four ninety five. But Justin says he can't afford that. And the camera, this part's really cool because the camera just kind of like whips back and forth between Sardo and Justin. And it's all in one take. And Sardo says, well, what about twenty four ninety five? And back to Justin. He holds up a $10 bill saying, I've only got 10 And Sardo snatches that shit saying, sold, but I'm losing on the deal. And we watch Justin walk back out of the shop, a happy customer of a tiny door. And back inside, <laughs> Sardo giggles, and he opens up that cabinet, and we see there's another tiny door in there. Oh, my God. But also, there's no super specs, which I was kind of disappointed about. I love this from, like, a storytelling perspective. You think it, the joke is the door he sold him isn't special, because, oh, look, there's another one. So mm-hmm. you, you just think it's like, oh, it's like a one-off kind of joke. But then it comes back into it later. It's, it's a real good setup. Yeah. It's very clever. My favorite part about this, because Sardo takes that door and he puts it on display. And then he smiles at it and walks away. And it's like, dude, this kid's going to walk by there. You just told him it's a one of a kind. And now you're displaying this one. Like, you don't think he's going to see it? I don't I don't think he really needed the it's a one of a kind thing to sell this magical door. Like, I'd still be interested in it. You're right. I want to have the only magical door. <laughs> no one else can have <laughs> yeah. one. Well, if you're planning on taking over the world, that's the first step, is making sure nobody else has your powers. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> the scene switches, and Justin and Ben are walking into a classroom. And Ben asks what the big secret is. And Justin pulls out that tiny door, saying, this. This will take me to the dance. And Ben stares at it for a second. And then he says, I hope you and your little door have a great time. I think Ben gets in some good zingers this scene. I do, too, yeah. 
Justin stops him saying, no, no, wait. And he slides open that little window again. And Ben peeks through it, seeing just the other side of the room. And, and Justin's like, I don't get it. It worked before. And Ben stands up saying, introduce me to her later. I know how doors can get a little stuck up. And he slides down his sweet sunglasses and walks away. In this empty classroom in the middle of the school day. <laughs> yeah. Justin stands up saying, Ben, wait. But Ben doesn't wait, and his tiny door starts shaking a whole bunch again. So Justin walks over to it and slowly slides the window again, and he peeks inside, and we see the same girl from before, but this time she says, Brad. (laughs) And then she calls for Brad again in slow motion until smoke poofs her away again. I have to say the effects are simple, but work really well. Mm -hmm. It's not like some ostentatious thing going on, but it just works. So back from commercial, I mean, because we went to a commercial, uh, Justin's in his room and there's nothing interesting about his room. and <laughs> Except for he's got his shoes on in the bed. Yeah, that's weird. Oh, I, I bet... hate that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, we just had the scene where the, the little door shakes. And then in this scene, the, the camera just pans pans across his bed and he's, he's sitting on it with his shoes on. And, and then his little door, door starts shaking again. So he gets up off his bed and he slides the window again and he peeks through and now we see that same girl from a couple of seconds ago and she's walking into a room and she looks around a little and she calls out Brad, which echoes a bunch. And then she turns and looks and screams as a flaming pillar just lands on top of her. God damn. <laughs> she screams a whole bunch more and then the scene fades away. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah. So there's a strong horror element in this one. Burning kids. Yeah, that's... We haven't had a burning kid episode yet, so... No, it's been a while since we had a good old burning kid. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're back with Justin outside, and he walks past the Magic Mansion, and he sees that there's the tiny doors on display. So he stares (laughs) at it for a second, and he shakes his head, and then he walks inside. And in there, he says... Why, Seriously, why would pay you... ten good dollars for this magical door? Why would you even complain? It works. <laughs> Seriously, it, he said it was one of a kind. <laughs> That's the only reason he bought it. <laughs> so in there, he says, "Mr. Sardo, Mr. Sardo," and out from the back room pops Sardo, saying, "It's Sardo." And then he goes, and he looks at Justin. He says, "Oh," and Justin pulls out that door, saying, "I thought you said this was one of a kind." Sardo walks over saying, ah, yes, well, you see, um, the doors are uh, a match set. So you see, they are one of a kind. Both of them, sort of. All right, there are two of a kind, so sue me. Justin tells him he wants to know who's on the other side of that door. And Sardo's all, it really works? Uh, I mean, uh, it, it really works exactly as I said it would. So Justin asks, then who is it? Sardo slides open the window on the door saying, why, it looks like. Like a strange little puppet. And he grabs this puppet from behind the door, and he's playing with it, and he's smiling and laughing. Oh, what a goof. <laughs> he, he thinks Justin is, like, eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he looks like it, though. I also like that Sardo, he's, seen, he's like, he's been through the void in Super Specs. <laughs> he went on a um, insane off-screen adventure with Vink, you know. Yeah. And this kid's like, this door works. And he's like, no, screw you. It can't. It's a silly puppet. (laughs) (laughs) While Justin yells out, I hate this. It only works for me. And Sardo puts that puppet away saying, I see. Well, I'm afraid that any liability resulting from magical doors is strictly the responsibility of the owner. That's you. That's in the fine print of any oral contract. He puts the door back in Justin's backpack 
and Justin stops from saying, but I saw a girl. And Sardo's all, consider yourself lucky. Good day. And he pushes the kid out of his shop. <laughs> and, and Justin walks out of there, past the tiny door on display, which starts smoking. Pretty great stuff. Yes, Sardo is not losing that $10. No. <laughs> That's keeping that business open. He's already wrote five checks. <laughs> <laughs> We switch over, and now we're back at school. The camera starts out, and we see a little girl who is suspiciously familiar. Did you guys catch who it was? Um, of course I didn't. Give me a hint. She's been in the show before on one of everybody's favorite episodes. I got nothing. Okay. That random little girl, well, I guess she's not so little in this episode. She's played by Amanda Walsh, who we last saw as Susan Henderson in The Tale of the Dollmaker. Dollmaker, yeah. Ben walks by her and slides up his sunglasses, and he takes a seat, saying to Justin, Done deal. Amy Breck said yes. And Justin smiles, saying, You mean you nagged her until she couldn't take it anymore? And Ben's all, Exactly. So, uh, you still going with your toy door? <laughs> Justin's all, It's not a toy. The guy I bought it from said it could show to the future. And Ben asks if he saw someone going to the nut house. And Justin turns around yelling, It's no joke, Ben. I saw a girl hurt in a fire. And if that's really the future, then somebody's in a lot of trouble. And there's nothing I can do about it because I don't even know who she is. <laughs> and now he's yelling all this stuff. And there's a bunch of kids around him and none of them even yeah. look at him. <laughs> no, he just does that all the time. They're used to it. They're just like, oh, there goes fucking Justin again. <laughs> he's just screaming his head off. To be fair, I bet Justin and Ben bust each other's chops constantly in the middle of class yeah i bet you're right they're like literally in the middle of class and not a single kid looks at him yeah they're just like... but in walks the teacher who tells the kids to settle down because they got a new student and i can only assume he's talking just to ben and justin yeah the new student's name is Ashley, and the camera pans over, and in walks Ashley, who is the girl from the door that Justin saw, and Justin gets all wide-eyed <gasps> staring at her because he recognized her, and then we cut to another commercial, I think. Whoa, well, is... but first, yeah. did you recognize the teacher? I was going to ask you if you recognized oh, the teacher. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, we'll point this question at not. you then. <laughs> I never recognize anyone. <laughs> the teacher, Mr. Bernie, is played by Ivan Smith, who we last saw as Mr. Johnston in The Tale of the Quicksilver, which was the dad. Yeah, I liked him in that. I think that's why I recognized him. So back to the story, we also have another character. Ashley Ruler is played by Elena Knapp, whose most famous role seems to be as Aaron Woodbridge in the show Edgemont from 2001 to 2005. I don't know anything about that show, though. No, never heard of it. I assume it was a Canadian sitcom or something that's what i figure everything is when, we, when i look at <laughs> she was also cheerleader number one in bang bang you're dead and girl in one episode of much ado about whatever so that <laughs> yep. good for her yeah more famous than me so she's got that going for her she's not bad in this i didn't think she was too bad in this either yeah no her character is kind of right. note, but she's fine she is the mother of actor Benjamin Jacobson, who's been doing a good bit of voice work, such as Marshall in the show Gigantosaurus, which I only bring up because my son likes to watch that show. Cool. I've never heard of that either. It's on um, Disney, along with Muppet Babies and Bluey, because <laughs> that's all I talk about all is right. just kid shows. <laughs> it's all I watch. So now we're in the hallway of the school and the bell rings. So all the kids are leaving the classroom and we follow Ashley, who's just kind of walking really slowly. She's taking in all of the 
the hallway, Glory. And Justin starts <laughs> following her and walks right into an open locker. And Ashley turns around slowly and asks Justin if he's okay. Justin says, yeah, it was just my head. Exactly like his icon, Rodney Dangerfield, would have said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, don't worry about me, it was just my head. (laughs) (laughs) So Ashley leans back and starts making small talk, saying, you're in my class, aren't you? And he says, yeah, I'm Justin. (laughs) We just left the same room. (laughs) (laughs) And Ashley says, she's Ashley, and Justin's all, hi. Uh, I don't want to sound weird, but can I ask you something? And yeah. that's when she should have walked away. Yeah. <laughs> so, he is he is walking red flags. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he is. But Ashley says, sure. And Justin asks if she's ever been trapped in a burning building. <laughs> and Ashley tells him no. And asks what kind of question that is. <laughs> when up runs a Justin's little one. brother, Michael. Who slams into him and then starts spewing awful acting. (laughs) He says, whoa, sorry, bro. Who's the babe? I thought you were too chicken to talk to girls. And I said that like too slowly because like I said, he talks in run on sentences. And toxic masculinity. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Up walks some redheaded kid who looks nothing (laughs) like Ashley saying, that's no babe. That's my sister. Full moon taught us that some families are adopted. (laughs) And this little redhead boy is clearly not her brother. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Ashley's all, ugh, Brad. And then Michael does the worst line read ever, saying, Oh, well, excuse me. (laughs) And then he runs away. (laughs) And then that's when I was wishing that he was in the burning fire instead of Ashley. (laughs) That would have made the episode way better. Justin looks at Ashley saying, looks like my brother made friends with your brother. And she smiles saying, yeah. And Justin just double downs asking <laughs> if her father's a firefighter. And Ashley's all, no. Listen, I gotta go. Yeah, right? And she walks Please away. Please leave me alone. Uh, hey, hey, lady, it's, it's so nice to meet you. But uh, you ever stared into the fire? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, don't do that. Right. Fuck no. You get a sizzled old man coming after you. <laughs> Please, sir, anything but fire. Oh. <laughs> that was the best part of season four. I was hoping this oh, is man. how he would save her. At the end. <laughs> An impassioned speech to the flames. Please, sir, anything but fire. Well, boy, look, I finally got I out my nerve. I ever so grateful. <laughs> Please don't burn the pretty lady down. Oh, boy. <laughs> Justin slams his head into the locker in disappointment. And then we switch scenes. And now we're in the cafeteria. And some kid yes. that I thought was Justin walks by a whole bunch of other kids and sits down. But that's not Justin because he sits down next to Justin. They just have the same hair. And Justin, he's laying all over his lunch tray like he's, you know, trying to be as small as possible. And Ben, <laughs> who's next to him, just reaches over, grabs his sandwich and takes a bite and then puts it back. And he looks down at the table at Not So Sue Henderson and Ashley and then grabs Justin's drink off his tray and drinks it. What a great friend. Yeah. Just take his tray. That seems like a very uh, Ron Oliver move. Like while they're filming, he's just like, oh, eat off his, just do something weird. I could see that. Yeah. I I highly doubt the script itself was like taking up space to be like, by the way, Ben has a food eating problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's the episode I already afraid that arc we don't see. 
After that refreshment, he tells Justin to stop being strange and ask her to the dance. But Justin tells him to forget about the dance because he's got to warn her about the fire. And Ben gets all sassy saying, what a great icebreaker. Hi, I just saw the future through a magic door and you're doomed. Want to go to the dance? Justin tells him, it's not funny. And Ashley might be in trouble. And then he looks up at the ceiling saying, I hope she has smoke alarms in her house. (laughs) We look over and Ashley's walking his way saying, smoke alarms. And Justin whips his head over to look at her. And she asks, what's up with him and fire? Justin stammers out, uh, it's kind of a hobby, yeah, yeah, you know, fires and smoke alarms, can't have too many smoke alarms. What? Fire is not a hobby? Fire, fire is a hobby for very disturbed individuals. <laughs> yeah, if fire is your hobby, and that's your deflection from being weird, like, buddy. I'm not strange, I just love serial killers. <laughs> hey, starting fires is one of the coolest things. <laughs> Ashley nods and walks away saying, yeah, thanks for the tip. And Justin then slams his head on the table and Ben tells him that he's got to get over this shit. And over with not so Sue Henderson, Ashley sits down next to her and she says, Ashley, we've got a welcome present for you. And she lifts up a little plate with a square of what looks to be just this super dense cake on it. And it's got like 20 candles in there. (laughs) It's basically a plate of candles. (laughs) (laughs) And Ashley looks at it saying, thank you. And she sets it down on the table. So Justin sees it and he yells, no. And he gets up (laughs) and he runs across the table and he's just stepping on and smashing everybody's food as he's running. And he picks up a pitcher of water and just (sighs) tosses it all over Ashley. Barely getting the candles. (laughs) It's amazing. She's like, are you crazy? And not Susu Henderson is all. What do you do that for? And Justin walks down off the table saying, but I thought. And then Ben grabs him saying, nice work. If you can't charm her, soak her down. And over with Ashley, not so Sue Henderson hands her her jacket, telling her to wear it before she freezes. I like that he thought those 20 candles were going to <laughs> kill her. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see the scenario in which blowing out those candles leads to her dying in a fiery it does, maybe it he make uh, maybe he watched Final Destination through that peephole. There we go. <laughs> That's probably what it was. <laughs> Ten dollars well spent. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny how ready this character was with that jacket, though. She had a little door, and she seen that <laughs> Ashley was going to get wet. <laughs> well, Justin, he looks at that jacket, and he notices a big C on the front on the like front patch of it, which is the same jacket that Ashley was wearing when she was getting burned alive. So he yells, no, uh, I mean, don't put that on. And Ben yells out to everyone that it's okay. And he'll be fine. And he's trying to pull Justin like out of the room. And uh, he says a little rested warm milk and you'll be good as new. And he's fighting to pull Justin away. But Justin yells out, Ashley, you're in danger. If you wear that, don't put it on. I still out through my, uh, my little door. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed out loud at that point, just with everybody else in the cafeteria. And apparently there's no teachers in the cafeteria. No. And they can just light things on fire. Yeah. They've got, they've got open flames, kids, all the candles, Running amok on the table, dousing girls' chests with water. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Ben drags him out of the room, and then we switch scenes. That's the last we see of Ben, right? Oh, I hope so. I think it is. Ben's out of here. 
Now we're looking up at that abandoned castle home again with the danger keep out sign and the camera pans over and we see Michael with Brad and their bikes and Michael says, we all did it. And if you want to be one of us, you'll do it too. And Brad asks what he's got to do. And Michael says that they say old Mr. Albers haunts this place. You got to go up to the master bedroom and sit in his chair. And he smirks at Brad as he walks by him and uh, Brad heads up the stairs in a Dutch angle. And (laughs) yeah. He takes forever walking up those stairs. They love slow walking Dutch angles. <laughs> They're so artistic. It does instantly feel like, are you afraid of the dark? When you see that, though. We haven't had a good Dutch angle in a while, honestly. Over with Justin, he's laying in his bed and is fucking around with that little door. And he slides the side of it up and finds a little key in there that says in on it. And his phone rings, so he picks it up saying hello. And on the other line is Ashley, who asks if this is Justin. And Justin says, yeah. And Ashley tells him, it's Ashley from school. And then asks if her brother is there. To which Justin says, no. Is he supposed to be? And Ashley's all, well, the little squid told my mother that he was going to visit your brother. She wants him home for dinner. Now. I like that she's she's like, oh, hey, this is the new girl Ashley. Not, our last interaction was you throwing water at me. <laughs> And then being forcibly removed from the room. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking and screaming, dragged out of the room, screaming about fire and kicking my cake. How much danger I'm in, how I'm going to die. Yes, Ashley. I'm pretty sure you're going to burn me alive. (laughs) But right now I'm looking for my bro. Justin tells her sorry and that he's not here. And Ashley's like, great, now I got to go look for him. And she starts to hang up the phone, but Justin stops her saying, hey, Ashley... Listen, uh, I'm really sorry about today, and I know it's really hard to believe, but I'm not I'm not a total lunatic, usually. And Ashley smiles and nods, saying, you're right, it is hard to believe. And then Justin asks if they can forget all that shit happened, and they can start all over. And Ashley says that she'll think about it, and says, listen, I gotta go find Brad before dinner burns. See you later. And she hangs up the phone, and Justin's all, burns? Dinner burning? Hello, Ashley? <laughs> and then he races out of the room. Oh, man. We zoom over with Brad, and he's walking up some stairs at that abandoned home. With Justin, he's running down the stairs, and there's this little girl reading a book in the middle of them. And he asks, <laughs> she, he asks her, Mary Jo, where's Michael? And she says that she isn't supposed to say. Justin asks, says who? And she tells him, Michael, he thinks you're spying for mom. First of all, who's Mary Jo? Mary Jo. We're like 17 Mary jo. minutes into they an episode. They just have a Mary Jo. She lives on the stairs. Yeah, we, that's so weird, this late the story to be like here's another sibling <laughs> i know i thought the same thing <laughs> i was like who did, was, did i miss her earlier <laughs> like nope yeah i looked her up but i ended up deleting her out of my notes because she was in nothing else <laughs> same with brad both of these characters were in whoever they are in real life they were not in a single other thing back with brad he opens up a door and walks into a room and there's a bunch of furniture covered in sheets and he walks over and he sits down at one that looks like a chair And when he sits, a bunch of the sheet furniture gets up and starts acting like ghosts. And the chair grabs him around the middle, and Brad starts screaming a little. And in runs Michael with a candle. And all his stupid friends lift up their sheets and they start laughing. And um, honestly, I thought it was a pretty good one. Pretty good, like, kid prank. Yeah. Do you think they drew straws, like, who gets to be the chair? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think the kid that uh, thinks that shit is excellent is the one that got to be the chair. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. <laughs> and then the, the camera zooms in on that candle all menacingly. Why do they need the candle? There's no electricity or it's anything. It's bright as hell in that house. There's so much light. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they hang out at night, too. 
Yeah, maybe Michael thought that they were going to be there for a little longer. But Brad just, like, freaking ran up the stairs right into the master bedroom and sat down on his friend. <laughs> like you like you do. <laughs> now we're outside and we're walking with Ashley, who still has that coat on, so she just, like, stole it from that girl. Hey, she got a few drops of water on her. Like, she's going to need it for a while. <laughs> I guess so. She walks over to the abandoned house and sees Brad's bike, so she calls up asking if he's in there. And from inside, the kids hear her, and Brad's all, Oh man, that's my sister! Let's bolt! So Michael sets down the candle, and then one of the kids runs by it, and it falls onto a piece of cloth that's just apparently been soaked in gasoline because it instantly blazes up. You know what I like about that? Like, in a lot of those stories where it's like, you see the future, and so you prevent it, a lot of those stories are like, the person seeing the future inadvertently causes the danger. Yeah, just like that's so Raven. <laughs> yeah, so if they never saw the future, they wouldn't have been in danger in the first place. Yeah. But here, Ashley was going to burn alive in the alternate timeline. <laughs> that is a kind of cool thing about this story, yeah. <laughs> that there's a timeline in which the girl dies. <laughs> yes, and it wasn't caused by Justin. <laughs> With Justin, he gets down close to his sister, I assume, and he's saying, I'm not spying for mom, and he just wants to know where he is. And then he says, I'll be your best friend. And Mary Jo sighs, saying, give me a break. And Justin gets pissed, saying, Just tell me where he is, or Mom's gonna find out who flushed the corn cob down the toilet. <laughs> so Mary Jo stands up and, and says that he went to do an initiation. And Justin's all, initiation? Like at the Albers house? And she nods, and then Justin runs back upstairs for some reason. Um, Like, I'm assuming he that he just pieced it all together, that the fire's gonna happen at the abandoned Albers house. And instead of, like, running out the door to go to the Albers house, which he would probably have time to do, he just runs right back upstairs. Yeah. No, he should have just continued downstairs, yeah. I would have assumed he no, would. I don't know what what his plan was. He goes and checks out the door, but he doesn't know at this point that he can go through the door. So is he just going to like watch her die and be like, <laughs> oh man, oh gosh. <laughs> That's the third timeline. <laughs> so now we're with Ashley. Brad. We're with Brad. Ashley. She's calling for Brad again wander around in this abandoned house and she walks through a doorway and down a hall and from behind her we see all the kids run past her all sneaky like and out the front door and we pan up to the top level window and we see a whole bunch of ninjas billowing out of it (laughs) they are they're like they're they're like two feet behind her like six (laughs) well she also can't smell burning like wood and stuff so all of her senses (laughs) are just dulled apparently yeah because she had a little water on her a few hours ago (laughs) Because at this Brad. point, you, you could probably smell the smoke in the house, I assume. Yeah, you can smell fire, you can see it, you can hear it. <laughs> you can feel it. Like, it employs all the senses. <laughs> and she is using none of them. <laughs> oh, man. Tastes a bit fire in here. <laughs> we look over in that room, and the fire has spread a bit. Over with Ashley, she calls out for Brad some more, just like how the door showed Justin that that was what she was doing. And then we warp to Justin who jumps on his bed and grabs the little door and he slides the window <laughs> and sees Ashley inside it, looking through the house, calling for Brad. And then he says, this isn't the future. This is right now, which is kind of weird that he would know that she's already in there. But Justin grabs the tiny key and we warp over to the fire and see it's still burning. 
Over with Ashley, she's still slowly walking through the house, even though she would totally be able to smell the fire by now. And then we check on the fire, and uh, yep, still burning. Over with Justin, he puts the key into the tiny door and unlocks it, and opens it up to a blinding white light. And then he falls out of the door and inside the burning house, he just plops to the floor. Um, How? Because he hasn't hit his head enough. (laughs) He just kind of dove into that tiny door. I don't know. Well, he calls out for Ashley... And Ashley turns around saying, Justin? And then he screams, look out! And he pushes her out of the way of a burning piece of wood about to take her out. And she screams as they fall to the ground. And then asks where he came from. And Justin tells her that they gotta get out of here. And they try and run around for a second, but everywhere they turn, there's just they're stopped by fire. And then he runs over to a laundry chute, and he opens it up, and the kids slide down onto some old clothes. I think the, the tension and action building pretty good it is but these kids like yeah. ashley's dumb like she's have... in a inferno and she's just like <laughs> brad like what <laughs> yeah and at this point where the building is fully on fire like him being in there doesn't really help her that much no like it's not it's not like she's passed out and he's fireman carrying her out of the building like he's just like uh this way i guess <laughs> I get to die with she you. She was like, oh, I wasn't going to run. <laughs> well, she wasn't. She was going to get taken out by that flaming beam. So he did push her out of the way, at least. Okay. Because she didn't know that. that just off camera was an inferno. Okay. <laughs> Don't turn to the left of the camera. <laughs> so my big problem with her in this scene is you, you just moved to this town. And this strange boy keeps stalking you, talking about fire. Then you're stuck in a house with fire, and he shows up, and she's not like, "Oh shit, you just started the started fire. the fire, bastard!" Yeah. yeah, she's just like, "Oh, Justin Macaroni, what are you doing here?" It's like, no, you kidnapped my brother so that I would come in here, and then started it on fire so that we would all die together. You know what I just noticed too is that. Now that she's with Justin, she doesn't care about Brad anymore. <laughs> no, like her, not one. No. She doesn't know her brother's not in the house. Ashley cares about Ashley. <laughs> she's, yeah. she's just like, what brother? <laughs> when they are, when they're going to try to escape, she's never like, D- you think Brad's okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's the same thing at Justin. He knows yeah. that he knows the whole group of kids were here for the initiation. <laughs> He doesn't, he doesn't care about any of them. He thinks that there are six dead kids in the upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> but he needs a date. Uh, the dance is important. <laughs> well, the two now are trapped in a laundry room, and they look around the room. They see only one door in, but it's locked. So Justin's all, we're going to suffocate down here. And we see through the laundry chute that the smoke is pouring into their little room. And Ashley yells that there's got to be a way out. So Justin checks out some windows, but they're all chicken wired closed. (laughs) So Justin, as he's looking out the windows, he says, I saw that little door's fall. And Ashley asks, what little door? And Justin says, it's the one I saw you through. The key said in. and <laughs> You know and what I was peeping on you through says, a tiny door hole? <laughs> the key said in. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Good, good, good. <laughs> he says, the key said, key said in. And Ashley's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Valid question. And Justin tells her that he said it was one of a kind, but it isn't. There's two. And if one's an indoor, and he tries the locked door again saying, then the other one's an outdoor. 
And Ashley picks up a bent pipe telling him Justin that he's crazy, and then she tries the locked door again, which... Yeah, I would take my chances with the fire at this point. (laughs) (laughs) We zip over to the Magic Mansion where Sardo is closing up the shop, and then we hear the muffled voice of Justin asking Mr. Sardo for help. And Sardo hears it saying, that's Sardo, no Mr. Accent on the... And he turns around, and no one's there. Yet we still hear Justin's pleading voice for him to come and hurry and cough. And he coughs and stuff. And Sardo looks around for just a second and says, that's it. I'm changing my name. It's finally driven me out of my mind. And he briskly walks past the tiny door on display as Justin yells for help. And it starts to like steam from behind it. In the room, Justin yells for Sardo to help them out. And he bangs on the door some more. Back in the Magic Mansion, Sardo looks over at the door and sees the smoke and hears Justin coughing. And he walks up to it and he lifts it up asking, Who are you? What do you want? And Justin tells him, It's Justin, the kid you sold the other door to. Uh, We're trapped in here. Open the door. So Sardo slides the window open, but nothing happens. I really like how this tied Sardo back into the story. Yeah. I like that he's helping the kids. Justin tells him to use the key in the sliding panel and to hurry. So Sardo slides up the side panel, revealing the key that says out. And he lifts it up saying, I've got it. This is worth more than I thought. At least $20. Yeah, exactly. $20. teleporting <laughs> system. Yeah, that kind of increases the value of these doors. Like spying on this one girl is all right now, but <laughs> teleportation's pretty nice. Inside, Justin begs more for Sardo to open the door. And at the Magic Mansion, Sardo puts in the key, and he twists it, and then his whole shop starts to shake. He sets the door back down on the display, and inside, Justin and Ashley open up the door, and they're magically shot to the floor of the Magic Mansion. And Sardo looks at them from over his counter, saying, My, how interesting. And we look at the smoking tiny door, and Justin stands up saying, You okay? And Ashley tells him, Yeah, I think. What happened? And Sardo coughs a little, and the kids look over as he says, I don't know whether this is the right time, but I don't suppose I could interest you in purchasing the triplet. And Justin's like, the triplet? And Sardo lifts up another goddamn tiny door saying, yes, it's actually three of a kind. And Justin takes one look at that shit saying, nah, keep it. And then the two kids walk away as Sardo sets the door down. So there's an indoor, an outdoor. What the hell's this third door? I don't know. Hell. <laughs> yeah, I'll an alternate. take that one. It's probably to the super spec dimension. That's how he got out. I thought he was going to try to buy it back. Like, ah, this might not be the right time, but give me that fucking door back. (laughs) Now that I know what this shit can do. And since it's used, uh, $9. (laughs) Yeah. I like that there's a third door and we know and we don't get to know what it is. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I like it. We get a voiceover from Gary saying that the magic door never worked for Justin again. But whether a door is magic or not, there's always one thing that can always be said. Whenever a door opens, it always leads to new possibilities. And we watch a door open up and we see Ashley in some pink dress. And down the steps is Justin in a white suit. And he says, you ready? And Ashley's all, absolutely. And she skips down the steps and the two walk away hand in hand as the door creaks closed. And that's the end of the episode. Well, that's the end of the tale. I wish we saw how, like, actually asking her out. Because the whole I'm, thing was he was too nervous to ask a girl out. And we missed yeah, the actual <laughs> asking a girl out. I agree. But also, I'm kind of glad that this just kind of was like, and then they went to the dance. Because we got this like extended ending in the last episode, The Tale of the Vacant Lot, where we watched like the main character, Catherine, just like go on and on about her, her hunky boyfriend and stuff. And it was like, why am I seeing all of this? <laughs> so... 
I kind of appreciate the, and then they were together. Hey, pretty lady, you know how I just saved your life? Pretty sure now you gotta go to the dance with me, eh? Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> That's the 90s. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, the door said that she would go to the dance with him, so she's gotta. Yeah, that's true. With the Midnight Society, Gary says the end, and Tucker runs up, grabs the crystal ball, and Gary's all, hey, careful. And over with Tucker, he says, let's see if I can tell the future. I see I see a guy standing up and saying, I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. And over with Gary, he's got the bucket of water up, and he's, he starts saying, I declare this meeting. And then Tucker giggles, saying, give it to me, Tucker. And then Gary yells, give it to me, Tucker. Tucker laughs again, saying, hey, this thing really works. And Kiki grabs it now, saying, let me try. Yeah, you're right, I see. I see a little guy, and he's being pounded by a big guy with glasses. Ooh, nasty. I want to see Tucker that. Tucker looks at Gary, then at Kiki, and yells, later, and runs away. And Kiki then stands next to Gary as he pours water all over the fire. And the kids walk away, and that's the end of the episode. I'd say overall, it was a fun story, though. I like this one. Yeah, the magic of the doors i'm not really sure the specifics of what these doors actually do so you can ask a question and see into the future yeah but also you can open the door and appear in another door that's semi-related to the future that you've seen yep yeah sure yeah (laughs) not only is it a door to the future but it's also a door yes so what do you guys think is the moral of this story I think it's always check your fire alarms. That's what I got out of this. Check the batteries on your your smoke detectors. Feel free to uh, dump water on girls you like. <laughs> Scream at them, uh, make public scenes, and then they'll uh, go to the dance with you. Don't feel like you have to accept a date from your serial killer just because he saved you from a situation he put you in. <laughs> Yeah. It's okay to say no. Like, we knew that Justin Macaroni is a good boy. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley sure didn't. (laughs) No, from her perspective. uh, Yeah. Run, girl. (laughs) (laughs) The Tale of a Door Unlocked. I think we could probably come up with a better name for that episode, don't you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. All right. The Tale of the Burning Log. Mm Mm-hmm. The Tale of the Corncob Mystery. (laughs) The tale of Mary Jo for some reason. The tale of the walking red flags. The tale of the tiny doors. It's kind of a spoiler, right? (laughs) The tale of, and then at the end you find out there's a third door. (laughs) The tale of Sardo's girl problems. (laughs) The tale of it's your nickel. (laughs) Well, Brandon, are you ready to find out what is next? Yeah. What is next? All right. Next up, season five, episode 12. Shit, we only got two more episodes left? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, it's The Tale of the Night Shift. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think it's going to be about, Brandon? Uh, This is a gas station worker. Uh-huh. He's working alone way late at night. Someone comes in on a ghost car <laughs> and robs him. Oh, no. If you think about it, that's the scariest thing. Like, literally. I mean, I wouldn't like it. I would hate to be robbed. Not even by a ghost, just in general. Like, it's a ghost, but the gun's real. <laughs> it's just, like, floating in the air. 
I like that when you when you say the um your guesses for the the next episode, Brandon. They're almost yeah. always about like adults, right? <laughs> it's true. You're never like in my mind. Yeah. When we do our mind, improv episodes, they're very adult situations too. They're never just ghosts. <laughs> Yeah. No. Or monsters. <laughs> Existential dread. Yeah. It's all the uh, real It's scary a 60-year-old man. In, in the next episode of Your the Dark, these two parents <laughs> <laughs> are dealing with having a newborn. <laughs> uh, who do you think is going to tell the tale of the night shift? I think this is going to be another Stig, even though you told me there's no more Stigs. <laughs> okay against the odds well i don't want to should i give you some spoilers brandon you want a little teaser if it doesn't spoil too much well i did spoil dead man's float in telling you that it was my favorite episode night shift is very high up there for me too oh okay that's good yeah well i think that's all we got today uh thank you so much troy for coming and laughing with us through this episode oh thanks for having me i'm sorry it wasn't one that you guys liked more Eh, it's, it's all good. I like them all, for the most part, pretty evenly. I would watch all of these episodes again. Yeah. But where can people find you, Troy, on the internet? I'm uh, I'm on Twitter at Troy H Gardner. You uh, sent me some of our some of my favorite questions. No offense to everybody else that sends me questions. That was uh, the Bobcat. Who would you have as Bobcat in any other episodes? Are you afraid of the dark? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I refer to you as as Doc. So yeah. If you're wondering, Troy is Doc. <laughs> You uh, called me Doc on Twitter a couple times, yeah. and Jonathan Penner from Survivor. One time I <laughs> tweeted at him, and he replied and gave me the old Doc. <laughs> so you're in good company. I'm good with that, yeah. So you also write your uh, articles on Are You Afraid of the Dark? Where can people find those? Oh, at gaylydreadful.com. And um, yeah, you can follow Terry Runs the, the Gaily Dreadful Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, if, if you follow that, you see tweets and everything i do have an instagram of my art that i started yeah i actually uh that's where i seen your art originally i think was instagram so yeah definitely give him a follow there his art is awesome for he's got a picture for every episode so far anyway yeah each each week when i when the article goes up i put the artwork on on instagram and um it was a good challenge like like Cortland, you've you're mastering editing because like every week you're forcing yourself to do it. Yeah. And my, I was very much an amateur artist, but we were like, okay, every week I'm going to do something after, yeah. you know, like 40 weeks, it starts to get a little bit better. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Like discovering new little tricks and stuff. I love it. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. A lot yeah, of fun. It's really fun. Thanks. Next time you can't think of fifteen people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just be like, you uh, bumped I guess up we to could have Troy top again. ten. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nice. <laughs> oh well, thank you so much. But you know what, guys? I've been up all night. I'm tired. I'm going back to bed. I was up all night playing Dungeons and Dragons last night. That's why I didn't play any games with you, Brandon. Sorry. Uh <laughs> I'm a nerd. Anyway, I'm going to bed. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. Excuse me.